This has been Sis Administrivia, the podcast where it finally happened. I have screwed the pooch. This is Brent. I'm delayed. <laughs> and I'm pe- delayed. Yeah, we were experiencing delayed. De- so here's what happened, right? I'm going to call myself out on Call this. out. We just got through recording S4E8. And you're going to be listening to this and saying, wait a minute. Why is he saying this at the beginning of S4E8? It's because Audacity crashed before it could export my audio. And I lost everything. How much? I wait, lost wait, the entire had, like, 86 episode. kilobytes? 86 bytes. 86 bytes. Not even, not even, not even 86 kilobytes. Not 86 not even bytes kilobytes. of a flack. And then Audacity just died. It wouldn't let me save an AUP. So I'm like, all right, at least I can just save it to flack. At least I get something. And nope. So that was... And hard nope you. Delightful. Hard, hard nope. That was great. I'm not mad at all. <laughs> I'm infuriated. Dude, you are so pissed. I'm so pissed. So mad. I hate technology so much right now. And I work in technology. So that's what happened. So we lost about, well, I think it was an hour, five minutes. Yeah. Of, of raw. About 200 megs. It was unadulterated and it was good. Yeah. If you guys still have your raws, I'll put them up as extras and maybe they can infer what I was saying. I, but I kept mine. I just we're gonna old, so I'll actually. Can we just stub in my rant? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. That's a good idea. Because yeah, yeah. that was pretty much all you. I mean, I interjected, but... <laughs> that rant was amazing. We definitely have He to had a lot that. of energy. Has to be you know like what? No, I'm going to I'm gonna put that at the end after this one. You're yeah. going to do a brief... I'm going to have you do a brief 15 clamps to this one, and then at the end I'll put your version, because it feels it's a little incomplete with my without my interjection. So we'll see. We'll get it working. But listen to it. If you're a real fan, you will. Right. It's like the extras on a DVD. I'm not going to listen to it, though. The, Hidden track on albums. I'm gonna, you gotta listen I'm gonna to it. skip it. Well, you were there for it. I know. So <laughs> I know. And it Anyways. was worth every no, second. It really it, wasn't. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's not go crazy. <laughs> so, with all that in mind, this may be. A, I'm gonna say it, but I'm not gonna jinx myself because I've already been jinxed tonight. This should be a short episode because we've already we're just but going you, over material just, a second time. You just, now. Said, you just said it. Just you literally just said it. I the know. Thing that I just said it, but it's not gonna jinx it because oh. I've already been jinxed hard. It can't you can't double jinx in a row. It's like lightning. I don't know. Lightning strikes twice in a lot of places. I you know what? We're gonna prove it wrong. Okay. We're gonna prove it wrong. Alright. Tonight we're talking about <laughs> we're gonna go direct we're intentionally gonna make it fast. Tonight <laughs> we're talking about dot files and keeping them in Git. <laughs> which, you know, includes slash Etsy. Okay. And designing static systems. And we'll talk more about that when we get to it as to what that means. Payton. Yes. Oh, we, oh sorry, nope. sorry. No, nope. yeah, you forgot. I'm going so fast, I almost skipped it. So fast. What are we all drinking? Oh, my God. Jason, go first. One of everything. One of everything. <laughs> Before, I actually lost my beer. There it is. I was having, I'm just sitting in a chair, so this is remarkable that I lost my beer. <laughs> Before we got this ruined night thing, mm-hmm. I was drinking a gin tonic with Tangeray. Now I have resorted to drinking Miller Lite because that's how sad I am. Yeah, womp, womp, yeah he's, he's bummed. All right, Bitch. Peyton. I am drinking Absolute. I had Coors Light earlier. Okay. We've gone I, in opposite directions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have. And now I am drinking the very last of my Guinness Extra Stout. I'll have to pick something different next week. 
And yes, you will. That being said, guys, we're flying. We're flying. We're soaring. We're For birds the record, on a wing. We do want the uh, listener community to recommend Brent his next drink of choice. Pick something uh, strange and odd, please. The first draft. I guess we have to call it a draft. The first recording, I strongly recommend that you not do that because I might hate it, and I probably will hate it. No offense to you, but I'm I, I like bourbon more than I like beer. But I uh, I, I, do I like understand. Stouts. I understand. Anyways, I'm telling the community, yeah. not not you know, not you guys. Well, I'm probably not going to listen to them, so <laughs> I'm just going to be honest about it. So that being That's said, your loss, Hayden. Man. Yes, Hayden, give us your tip. This, but just the tip. This is Hayden. With... Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. Just get to the point. The tip. We're going to talk about get on with it. LVM. We're going to talk about LVM2 mm-hmm. and a little bit of AIX LVM. We're just going to compare a couple of the commands between the two. I'm not going to go into too much in depth on AIX, AIX LVM. So mm-hmm. basically, LVM is Logical Volume Manager. You can take multiple physical disks and make a large pool. You can create file systems on it. You can encrypt it. I mean, what can't you do? Well, you know, people are going to bitch about it, like Jathan. Uh, realistically, <laughs> you know, your your laptop doesn't need LVM. There are some distros that install it, you know, with your system, like Ubuntu Debian. Realistically, I mean, it's it's nice if you want to use it, but you don't have to use it for your laptop. Like, I mean, the chances mm-hmm. of you adding another hard drive to your laptop and needing to expand it are probably slim to none. However, if you have a mm-hmm. server, a virtual server, and you want to add another disk to it to increase the space, and you don't want to take it offline to do so, you can add a virtual disk and then you know grow it from there. So anyway, you have some commands. You have LVM disk scan, which will show you your current status of disks, any disks that you can use for LVM. You have PV create, PV display, VG create, VG extend, VG display, LV create, LV display. There's not really an LV extend. I mean, there. Yes, kind of, but not really. For AIX, it's some of the same stuff. It's LSPV, LSVG, and LSLV. I was waiting mm-hmm. for you to make that guess yourself. To discover disks in AIX is a DIAG, D-I-A-G, and then you'd run a CFGMGR, which would show you new disks. So basically, you would add a disk any way you want to do it. If you want to add an actual physical disk, yeah, obviously it just has to be down for that. Or if you have hot swap bays, you can put that in there. You'll need to run a scan for it, and then you just create the disk with the PV create, and then uh, you create your volume group unless you already have one. If you've already got a volume group, you do VG extend to that new disk, and then you just have more space. You would do an cool. LV extend to grow whatever file system in your actual logical volume that you have, and if mm-hmm. you needed to add a lot of space, you could have that space pretty quickly. Now for go. AIX, there's the you can reduce or grow. In AIX, without bringing the file system offline, for mm-hmm. LVM2, you, to reduce, you do need to unmount and fisk. Depending on the directory that you're, or the mount that you're trying to work that on, that can be, you can do it either two ways. You can unmount, like, temp or whatever, and run the command really fast to grow temp. Not that you necessarily would. Mm-hmm. But realistically, I like the AIX better, version better. It's just a change FS-A, size equals, you can do plus or minus, you know, what have you. So that's been paid with a tip. It's quite a large tip. It's fairly well engorged. <laughs> so in the first recording, yes. Jathan shared about how he about what he uses LVM for. Jathan, do you want to get back into that? What? What? What you use LVM for? 
The only thing I like to use it for is VMs mm-hmm. because you can add a whole new disc, create right. a physical volume from right. it, add it to a logical volume, and then basically extend a whole partition on disc right. mm-hmm. without any downtime. Right. Right. Now, apparently, this may not be true, though I'm still skeptical. <laughs> apparently, this may not be true on Libvirt, KVM. Or Kimu. I mean, same, or same difference. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, but I, I, think I can also... tell you that I've done it on VMware a lot of times, right. and it works good. I think VirtualBox does let you do it as well, too. I'm not sure about VirtualBox. I'd have to double-check that. But So KVM is a piece of shit now. <laughs> no, it's not a piece of shit. It's still the I most mean, performant, you know. and it's the most platform-flexible, in terms of guests, at least. Yeah, so I countered with, you know, I... You, I just binged to... so many peanuts. I hope you're not allergic. We heard that. I hope you're not allergic. Yeah, so... The point I brought up with it was that, yeah, you do need to stop a VM, at le- at the very least, if you're using QCAL2 for your images. Other image formats might let you do it live, but at least with QCAL2, which is the best disk image you're going to use for Q- for KVM slash Libvirt, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to need to stop the machine, add the disk or grow it in- with Kimu image, mm-hmm. and then I would, since it's already booted down, I would just boot right to a live CD and then just do an EXT2 resize. And that pretty much just, or E2 resize FS, I think it is. E2 resize, E2, whatever, I'll link to it in the show notes. And that will let you grow an actual physical disk. So I personally just do not like the extra complexity for LVM, especially with data recovery. It makes it just so much more difficult. And we did all agree on that. Yes, so yes, we did. Definitely caveat emptor and all that. Emptor? Emptor, yeah. I usually see it in writing. I don't. I almost never say it. Yeah. So you know, just you're aware of that. It's Which means data re- user beware. Buyer, buyer right? Beware. Well, buyer beware, but you know, in this case, user beware. Sure. Yeah. Got to be a little flexible with it. A little bit. Yeah. So keep that in mind because if you if you need to do data recovery on your VMs, it's going to make it much more difficult, if not impossible, depending on how you handle LVM. LVM mirroring. Don't even bother. Just go with RAID. Because LVM mirroring yeah. is not RAID. Yeah. So, and I think that's... Yeah. So one of the other yeah. things I wanted to say is, uh, it was brought up last time, is that LVM is not a RAID. Just because you have four or five or ten hard drives in a single pool mm-hmm. does not mean that you can replace a hard drive if it fails. I mean, you you can, but there are significant work that goes into doing so. So Hey, what's the Windows name for their LVM equivalent? It's something. I can't remember. Home pool or pool or... No, no, no. Storage no. pool? It's... it's... I don't it's know. It's older than that. Yeah. It's from like I don't know. NT or something. I don't know what it is. I, don't I can't remember, remember the name of it. I don't do Windows. So I don't I'll care. look it up. I'll put it in the show notes, whatever. But they have their own implementation of it that is compatible with the, the Linux it, it kernel, sucks. by the way. It sucks. It does suck. I mean, it's just like Windows. Windows in general sucks. Well, wow. you know, they're getting better, at least. But yeah, I'm not a fan still. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So, yeah, we're flying. We're flying through this. Flying. So our two topics is... I believe is... I can fly. <laughs> so first we're talking about keeping dot files in git now we did talk extensively about this but admittedly a lot of it was kind of filler so there's we're gonna two cover key everything again i just want you to know that. no i don't think we are yeah, absolutely <laughs> we're gonna try and cut, touch on some key points and fill in where we can so there's two key components of this one is slash etsy and one is your user dot ders dot files whatever when we say dot files we mean dot ders too sure right exactly right yeah so with etsy slash etsy I personally keep all of Etsy under as a Git repo. We I did have say slash Etsy dot Git. Yeah, we did say to create the repo, and then you all you have to do is back up in Etsy, I should say, and then just back up the dot Git. Right. You don't have to worry right. about because you can just Etsy. right because you just need to restore that Etsy dot Git and then just do a Git checkout. Well, you don't exclude anything. 
Lon- yeah, right, exactly. As long as you're not doing exclusives, then it gets a little bit trickier. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, you can just do a git checkout and boom, you have all your Etsy config files back. Now, you're probably going to need to do that from a live CD because chances are if your Etsy's w- wiped, your shit's broke. You're, you're, yeah, you're not booting. So <laughs> Broke as a joke. Yeah, so you're at the very least single user, if not from a live CD. So, but you know, the nice thing about that is you get to CD into into it and whatever. So that we closed with that thought, but that is a super important point, and that really is the strength of the slash Etsy docket. I do not use remote repositories for this because you have things like Etsy Shadow in there. Right. So this is something I don't keep my entire. Yes. I don't make a Git repo out of my entire Etsy. You diverge I from put... on this, yeah. What? You diverge on that from this. Yeah. Yeah, I keep a specific repository that we'll link to in the show notes that only has selected redacted versions of configuration files so that one, I can reference and pull them when I need them. And two, if somebody says like, hey, how do I get Wagtail, which is a Django-based CMS, how do I get Wagtail running with UWSGI and Nginx on CentOS? I point them to my config repo and I have an example of that. And I say, hey, look, here it is. This works for me. You know, just change the pass and the users and stuff like that. And you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So I don't find value in keeping all of my shit in Etsy because not in Etsy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just <laughs> I put it somewhere else. Right. I don't find value in making my entire Etsy a Git repository because I use configuration management primarily to edit and modify and keep track of those config files. So right. to me, mm-hmm. it feels really redundant. And also, you know, there's no way for, like, Puppet to check in changes to Git. I mean, there probably right. is, but it wouldn't it's be very elegant. Yes, yeah. Right. So, Although, interestingly, on that note, Salt has a built-in Git module kind of a thing. It's pretty cool. I thought you didn't like Salt. But I love Salt. Oh, what was it you don't like? Ansible or whatever? I still like Ansible, but I'm leaving it because it's just it's not performant enough. Mm. I don't like Puppet and Chef. Mm. I don't like those two. But okay. yeah, how could cool. you dislike Puppet? Oh gosh, here we go. That is for another. I feel like we've talked about that on air at least twice. Yeah, we've talked about why you don't like Puppet. Yeah. I'll dig him up and link to him. I know we've You don't like to it. put your hand in little socks. Oh, God. for Pete's sake. <laughs> for Pete's sake. <sighs> it's really easy. It's a right click and a kick. You know what? <laughs> it's, don't tempt me. Uh, <laughs> get behind me, Satan. <laughs> so, yeah, so. That being said, there is some key things to point. Uh, Payton keeps yes. a entirely separate remote repository, yes. but he's very selective about what goes into yeah. that repository and just copies it's over just specific from files, that repository. And they're sanitized. Mm-hmm. And right. I also have, so I have a local Git repo here at the house. And then I also, you know, signed up for, a, since GitLab was offering free public ones, I was like, mm-hmm. screw it, you know. So I have two yeah. re- I have two repos that I can push to. I have a local, private, and then a public one. And so anything right. public, I, I make sure that I don't put anything that's in there that I don't want to have revealed. So that generally is, uh, you know, sanitized or, you know, configured, but not super configured mm-hmm. files. You know, mm-hmm. it works for me yeah. so yeah. far. So, you know. Okay. So the other, I don't know, the real benefit of doing this is you have a really interactively usable audit trail. Yeah, that's you the can... nice thing about that. Now, that's still true if you use configuration management properly. I do also push my past directory up into my local private get. Right, 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 Well, right. that's a good idea. Like you can also months. do, you can do pass with remotes if you do a good secure remote. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, like, sure. don't do it in fucking GitHub. Right, right. Yeah, use a private remote, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's, 
we talked a little bit more about that when we talked about past specifically. But yeah, right. the nice thing about this is you don't get this sort of granularity in Puppet or whatever in their logs as you do with Git. You can't do like a Git blame and find exactly when the line was added to a file. You can't see the differences between two different files. You can't see where these files interact and things like that. So keeping that in mind, the important thing to keep in mind with that is you know there's a distinct reason for it and that is the audit trail and mm -hmm. being able to versioning is essentially what it's yeah, for yeah that's the nice thing yeah. about backups that, is, is that, a little is different but you know yeah yeah i used yeah, exactly you had me install when i had my arch router you had me install tig on etsy and i was able to mm -hmm. use that to check and tig? super handy yeah yeah tig what the fuck is get, tig it's get spelled backward yeah. it's a ncurse's git viewer yeah 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 huh. It's so really I used cool. that to track Check changes in Etsy. I'll link on to that, it in the show I was notes, able but... to fix that without any problems. And mm -hmm. yeah, and I told a kid who just installed Arch in his box, I said, look, you know, install TIG and make Etsy a thing. And he's like, oh, all right, sure. And he did it. And he's like, oh, this is great. You know, so it's definitely, you know. I'm telling you. See, it's I think even if I did that, I would. Config. Yeah. Saving that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, but then you're going to go back and fix it anyway. Well, sure. But, you know, you have. Well, right. But you can see exactly see what changes were made. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't know. So that is, there's some, no, that, well, I mean, do it how you want, Jathan, but like, right. either way, I do using everything Git exactly is a how very I useful want. tool. I, <laughs> I do what I want. Okay. Thank you. It's my sexy body. Sure. I do what I want. Right. Yes. I just made my wife laugh. So that means that we're going to move <laughs> on to user dot files. So obviously with everything that you're committing to a remote repository, even if it's a private repo, make sure you're thoroughly reviewing what you're actually committing and if you're okay with that being where it is. If it's to a public repo, scrubbing is an absolute necessity. If it's a private mm -hmm. repo, uh, I could be a little bit more loose with I, it, but I would still, you know, you know, definitely review even it. a yeah, private review one, it. you know, just double check because right. you never know if if you accidentally push that to a public or whatever, you, you really don't want to run the risk of having something, especially if it gets cached, mm -hmm. like I said last time. You know, like that's just... Yeah, yeah. Once it's out there, it's out there. Yep. You cannot unarchive something from remote servers. So... Right. And by that, I don't mean, like, remote Git servers. Like, you can scrub an entire Git history. Mm -hmm. You can rebase the entire thing. Right. Hell, you can wipe out all the commits to start with a fresh repository. But it, if it's, like, on archive.org or anyone who cloned it in the meanwhile you know right they still have their own copies so just assume once it's out there it's out there and take necessary precautions against that and take necessary necessary actions as a result if it is right yeah so moving on to user.files it becomes even more imperative because these are typically things that other people can use remotely with etsy it's things like Etsy Shadow, where they would have to crack your hash, and Etsy Password, where they get a list of users, local users on the system. But with things like your dot .files in your user directory, they have your, they would potentially, if you don't scrub, have your SSH private keys. Yep. They would have any like token files that you use. Yep, that's a, uh, that's for an various programs. right there is the dot .ssh. That's, that's... Yeah, dot .ssh is, is, is one you want to scrub. Not necessarily, though, because you might want to include an SSH config. Right, right. I mean, you could put a .ignore that goes in, in my, .ssh. That and, goes in my you know. scrubbed .files repo that I push up. Right. If, I, if I'm yeah. interested in sharing that. Right. I mean, you have you have options as to how you want to handle that exclusion of right. sensitive data. But right. in addition, you have environment variables in your bash RC and possibly mm. bash login, whatever, bash profile. Or login RC, I think it is. And bash profile. Like, you know, and all these files that set up an environment for you, some of them can be very 
potentially sensitive. Like I said, token files, we've got product key files for your licensed software, if you have any. A lot of different things are in your user doctors. And a lot of them are things you don't want public. So yeah, be yeah. very, very careful yeah. with your user doctors. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Doing it is a great idea. But I mean, like I said, just, you know, keep an eye on careful where you're doing it. it yeah. Well is a great idea. Doing yes, it well doing is it well is better. A, that's that is yeah. how we can put that. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, if you do it like Jathan, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, every so time, be very careful you know? with that. I think we've covered that, what we really well. need to talk about with that. We don't really have anything to, to cover about that. That is a, a short topic. Again, we've got two short topics as our, our talk segment tonight. So yeah. we're going to move it along. We already recorded once. We don't want to be here any longer. We need to. Moving right quite along. Quite frankly. Shut up, bitch, and do it for the fans. Well, <laughs> wow. I'm drawing he it out just to draw it out. like he's gotten a little bit drunker than Wesley. Oh, he's, he's, I think he's getting, he's marinating his clams. <laughs> I am definitely doing. working gonna, on what I would call I'm going to marry his clams. He's hand boning. He's about to ham. Well, what do you Well, Jathan, do you guys you know say, what soaking is? What? Would, what? <laughs> I don't. Soaking? I mean, the word means probably a lot of things in different contexts. Jathan, would you say that you're Did clam you boning? Soaking? Are you clam boning, Jathan? Clam. I, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna clam bone him. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. So then, the second you know main topic for tonight is designing static systems. Another short one, just some key tips that I've picked up designing Pixie images and live CD images. Mm -hmm. So from the start, you want to have a well two images. The first is should be like a bootable full system or a ch root environment, whatever something you can actually interactively enter because that's where you're going to like install new packages, update packages, things right. like that. Right. And then you want an image created from that that is stripped down. Yeah. Ideally, rendered into a read-only format. Yes. What were you going to say? Well, I was working on creating like a, a base to build Arch servers here. VMware servers, I should say. And so I, mm -hmm. cre I went through and I created and got like SSH keys and, you know, did everything. And then I snapshotted that and created a copy so that I could then go through and prop it up and then install what I wanted to have installed on it, you know? And yeah. I, similar I, I concept. This, this is what we're Maybe in about. reverse. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to make it a little bit easier to deploy something quickly versus having to mm -hmm. install and configure and then all that jazz, you know? So sorry, go ahead. Yeah. If you use a VM system, that has disk mm -hmm. images that uses disk images that you can mount on the host. That's actually a great way of doing this yeah. because then you get the full interactive environment to develop and work on your golden image base. Yeah, absolutely. So then, you know, from that you'll render to a golden image, usually a squash image with squash FS. That's how most of these things, do. that's the smart way of doing it because it compresses really well. Yeah. Squash FS. Check it out. I will. Absolutely. And then from there, but, you know, before that, between developing your base image and rendering it to your golden image, as we'll call it, the image that is being distributed to the machines running it, right? you're going to want to do some stripping down. You want to strip down any software you don't need. Mm -hmm. Specifically, you know, and the benefit of static system images is they're very purpose-driven. Usually you're going to push them to machines that have one purpose. Mm -hmm. POS systems, I think I mentioned in the original recording. This shit. That's point in a point of sale. I, I like know cash I was, registers. I, I know. Yeah. Okay. I know. I, I'm being silly. You know what I mean? Got it. Like reference desks, things like this, where you have maybe one a one application that they're going to be running the entire time. Really, you only need everything that's needed to a boot the system. B right. 
run the operating system and C, run that application. You don't nope. need GCC on these things. Yeah, you, know? you really don't. Yeah. And all that, all, all that incumbent upon it, which means you also get to do things like removing the package catch cache between that conversion, mm-hmm. that transference. Right. And that, that also lets you shave the size down. So you're not only hardening the environment by not providing tools that should not be there in the first place, you're not only reducing the amount of resources needed to run the thing. Because remember, these things are typically running in RAM. If they're booting from Pixie or, or Live CD or USB, they're running from they're running directly from RAM. It's a RAM copy of the yeah. static image. You know, so you want to keep that as small as possible so it loads into RAM faster and it doesn't take as much RAM to run. So like package caches, like the Yum cache or the Pac-Man cache or whatever, like two gigs at least is pretty common for these things. And you don't need that. You really do not need that for these things because they're not going to be, they shouldn't be installing software in their environment. Right. Exactly. Obviously keep, yeah, keep that for your base image because you still want to be able to install packages to update that base image. But when you do the conversion to that golden image that you're distributing, yeah, that's where you would remove those caches. You can remove the locales. There is a huge amount of locales stored on modern Linux systems, which makes sense. There's a lot of translations and such, but if you're in an, if you work in a, a U.S. company and all of the workers speak English, you really only need U.S. English, unless you've got like foreign yep. clients and stuff, you know. But most of the time, you're fine with U.S. English, so you can just get rid of all the other locales. Screw Done. them, and though, right, Jason? Like, Jason, are you, are we screwing them? I'm not committing to that. Are they gooches? <laughs> you should. You should. I though. don't know, Jason. I do not know. Yeah, so, and that saves about another two, two and a half gigs. And then just basically poke around. From there, those are the key things. You don't need Varkash. I mean, you need the, the path there, but you don't need in, stuff inside it because that's meant to be cached and it doesn't really serve a purpose. And then on, oh, and by the way, the image itself will be squash FS, but then you're, you're probably going to mount an overlay FS on top of that. And that's what runs in RAM, just to clarify. But that's, I think I want to save that for an, a whole new episode, a whole episode on its own is yeah. designing uh, RAM systems. Yeah. Yeah. So temp obviously just needs to be created with the right sticky bits and that's it. And usually most startup mm-hmm. scripts, especially with system B, will do that for you. I love sticky bits. Yeah, stuff like that. that. Home directories. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll let you say that. The home directories get a little tricky because you should really be pulling them from somewhere, ideally like an NFS server. If you need them at all, because that's where a lot of stuff will get saved during the course of a session. So if you need to save that data, NFS mount it. If you don't need it at all and you want to revert back to a specific state with like an empty home dir or maybe a home dir with a couple config files, uh, a couple dot files in it, mm-hmm. you know, you would build that into the golden image. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the really the key points is you want to keep it small, keep it light, cut out the cruft. Mm hmm. And I did mention this in the original recording. This is basically what Google does with Chrome OS. They take a Google CH root, uh, wow, a Gen 2 CH root. They build it up. They install the software they need. They slap the UI on top of it in the specific run level. They harden it down a little bit more. So you, you have to run through hoops to get shell again. And then they remove a bunch of cruft. And then they build it into a firmware image for Chrome OS devices. So it's basically the same process. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. That is the extent designing these images that are typically used in so-called live systems. And by that, I'd be like RAM-based systems. Those like three or was it three guiding points? You know, keep it light, keep it cruft-free. Yeah. And keep it static. Yeah, yeah. Keep it minimal, I guess. 
that's really the key points I had for that. Did you guys want to add anything to that before we move on? Mm. I don't think I have anything. Jason? I don't think so. Okay. Are you simmering? Mm, I'm pretty fucked up, man. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for your 15 clams? If I gave you 20 clams and took away five, are you ready for that many clams? Um, okay. <laughs> it's not going to be as good. That, it, it'll be fine. Remember, we're still including your recording as an extra. Yes, so. I highly recommend listening to the extras. Was, Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine. So, Jason, why don't you give us... <sighs> No, Jason, just, it's okay. We're almost there. We're almost at the end, mm-hmm. and we can just tack it on at the yep. end for extra length. We're good. This Jason. is the TLDR. Oh, okay, yes. Nick's Craft, who is a fucking moron, <laughs> tweeted on the internet about some new ZFS features and basically said, like, ZFS should be the default on major distros. <laughs> I, a uh-huh. real ZFS admin, <laughs> retweeted it with a comment and said, no, you dumbass, that's false, because ZFS isn't made for that. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Some of the reasons why. Not to be confused with all of the reasons why. And there are a lot of reasons why. Tell us why. <laughs> right. Hugh Jackman would never want to use ZFS <laughs> as his root volume. Wait a minute. And what? I know that because he knows how to sing well. So, what? here's what's going on. Um... Shut up. This is my segment, bitch. <laughs> okay. So, bitch. You see what happened here is, you know, uh, number one, Mm -hmm. ZFS is a RAM whore. Mm -hmm. ZFS Mm -hmm. wants to consume all of your RAM in a sloppy fashion because of arc caching, which is very essential and important for for ZFS performance. It's worse than Chrome. It's worse than Chrome with Slack open in one of your tabs. Is that... Is that ARC caching or ARP? ARC. ARC. Okay, I was like, ARP is a network thing. I don't know why it would be. Okay, got it. Got it. Yes. So, the thing is, number one, why on your workstation that you're using to do stuff in a productive fashion, would you want to be dedicating a large majority of your RAM to your storage device? That's stupid. Pants on head people would want to do that, okay? Nobody with their pants on their legs like a normal person would want that. Are you a pants on the head person? No. Okay. But I am drunk. Now, right. number three, I think, no, number two, or I guess, two is is that along the same lines but different is ZFS is very reliant on having high quality ECC, which is error correcting RAM. Mm-hmm. Because of the way the caching and ZFS write operations work, if you don't have high quality RAM... You are absolutely putting yourself at risk for having checksum deficiencies or or mismatches or something like that. File correction. Yeah, whatever the word is for that stuff. <laughs> in your data. Okay. And you should in not want data. that. Objectively speaking, data. objectively speaking, corruption is bad. Yes, yeah, yes I, it is. I don't even think you need to preface that with objectively speaking. I no, think that overall... could be a political statement, too, no. and it's still bad. <laughs> I think overall, in any case, corruption is bad. Right. Yeah. So these are some of the things. But what I really hate about Nick's craft is all of it. I hate I hate all of it. I hate all of Nick's so, craft. The problem is that right. Nick's craft speaks with authority on all of the things. And Nick's craft may be a systems administrator. Please listen to my original rant because it's better. Yeah. It's more coherent if it that is. makes really a lot of 
It is. Yeah. yeah. It really, really is. But it's still mad. I'm still mad. But <laughs> it's like Nick's craft, Nick's craft very well may be a fucking sysadmin. However, he is not a sysadmin who does everything, okay? <laughs> the only sysadmin who does everything is Brent, and he uh, doesn't even do it well. I excuse so, you. I do it pretty okay, well, I think. He does six things well, but the rest of it is what? shit. <laughs> what do you mean six things? <laughs> you do open LDAP okay, and your E-Jabber well. D config is so good and backed up six times after what happened. That's true. After manually redoing it, yeah. So the thing is, he, Vivek is his real name. I don't feel bad exposing morons on my podcast. <laughs> no, like, don't dox people, but he also gives his real name and this stuff, so. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. What? So, <laughs> the thing about him, Nixcraft, oh if God. you will, is that uh-huh. he speaks with authority about fucking everything. Uh, even yeah. though his expertise is probably very narrow. Everything? And by very narrow, everything. I mean he might know a lot about one thing, and that probably isn't even systems administration related. So, this is me telling you why ZFS should not be your primary file system. Oh, the other thing. (laughs) Fucking A, man. Fucking A. ZFS on Linux. Let's just assume... Let's talk about ZFS on Linux. Let's just assume we're talking about ZFS on Linux, right? Because normal people use Linux. People use FreeSB... Free... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Here we go. People are using that fucking FreeBSD shit are not real people. Uh, (laughs) So... If you're using Wait, ZFS on Linux, because you, you're using Linux because you're a real person. Don't, don't you have a couple free BSD boxes at work? I've got wait, one, wait, and it's a tester, wanna, okay. and it's a VM. It's not real inherently. System, it's okay. virtual. Can I do that? What? I want to put ZFS as my root file system. Can I do that? It, if you want to be fake. <laughs> so, the thing here, listen here. The thing is... Uh-huh. ZFS on Linux, right? If you're a real person, you're using Linux. You're not using FreeBSD. <laughs> yeah, real person. <laughs> the fucking upgrade path for OpenZFS, aka ZFS on Linux, is fucking terrible. Uh-huh. The only terrible two fucking, it's the only fucking. two distros that can reasonably, sort of stable-ishly run ZFS on Linux are Ubuntu Server and CentOS Seven. And let me tell you, <laughs> I don't have experience with Ubuntu. I'll admit that. Uh-huh. Nobody should. Anyway, it's shit. <laughs> CentOS 7, <laughs> CentOS 7, the upgrade path for ZFS on Linux is fucking terrible. Every time I've done it, I've had a problem. So, first of all, what idiot is using CentOS 7 as their workstation distro? Payton did that one time. He's kind of an idiot. But well, he, number two, he got over it real quick. Yeah. But number two, mm-hmm. even if you are, sorry, you shouldn't be, but even if you are, probably still not a real person, but even if you are... Don't even try to upgrade ZFS. You're just going to fuck yourself. So So here's the thing about ZFS. Uh If you go to the ZFS on Linux GitHub repo, Uh and you start going to their issues page, there's like 800 fucking issues. And you start reading through them. No, no, please. Open issues. Please read some. You start reading some of them. No, that's what made us end the episode last time. It's not just like, oh, I found a typo in the readme. No, not. it's like... It's actual code issues, yeah. It's like, I can't ZFS and receive properly, so my backup stopped working. Like, nobody wants that <laughs> like, for their fucking workstation. ZFS don't mount on... ZFS uh, just don't mount on boot, I, yeah. I use... So I anyway, use the NSA I've backups. been me... I've been me talking about this, and you should listen to me talking about <laughs> this, but at a different point in time. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. How many sheets to the wind are you? All the sheets. Four. <laughs> I 
I mean, I'm not going to debate that. That's I'd say that's spot that on. just seems like the right number. I feel like that, it's the right number right the now. Saying, the saying now, for someone... Now, I was fucking mad before, but I'm still mad because but Nixcraft doesn't know anything. ZFS on Linux is trash. <laughs> ZFS as a root file system is trash. People who use FreeBSD are fucking fairy tales. <laughs> and... Last but not least, Lumos is dead. All right, let me let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this. If we could get oh. if we could get this next craft guy on the air with us, would you debate him? No, I would quit this whole podcast. <laughs> Why? You can't you can't spend because five that minutes? would can't, honestly his, that his would take our ratings that. that would take our ratings from eight out of a hundred to about negative eight. <laughs> Nobody oh would God. listen anymore. They'd be like, "Wow, they had a joke on their air." <laughs> oh. like, people would just laugh for the whole. We're on the air every other week. I I haven't checked the iTunes rating in a while, but I'm pretty sure it's above eight percent. You're pretty sure there or what? Oh, eight. Are you? We are a four point four out of five on iTunes. Oh, well, there That's you go. Pretty That's good. pretty good. Yeah, and I bet the one one star review we got is probably Nextcraft. <laughs> we got a one star review. No, it's, it's it's yeah, we have we have. No, it's not. <laughs> we have. Amir wouldn't do that to me. We have. Uh, listen to this. We have seven ratings. <sighs> Six of them are five stars. One of them is one star. Does the one star say anything? Does it give any feedback? I don't think it does. It's just one star. It's just one star. Well, that coward. Yeah, what shout a out coward. to that bitch. An anonymous one coward. star? I can do those all day long. Well, no, because it brings our ratings down. No, I mean, I'd be curious if you could, like, log in and see who it was, because we should find Oh, maybe. Him. Well, no, let's not do that. That's creepy, Jathan. Dude, Clams Maloney, 8 Hertz <laughs> WAN IP, hands down the best podcast of all time. If you're looking for a riveting tale of two brilliant lads trying to save a princess that was locked away in a closet, <laughs> this is the podcast <laughs> for you. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh, that must have been back from S zero. No, no, he's talking about you two trying to save me from the closet. <laughs> oh, you're the princess. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, I love it. All right, I think we can close this out. And remember, please stick around for like the next. Yeah, and give us five stars or I, on iTunes or fuck yeah. There is stuff. one. There's a one star review. What the hell? <laughs> I wish they gave us some feedback because it's probably it's probably fucking someone from Plug Groot four seven six. These guys are awesome. I listen to every episode. Keep doing what you're oh, doing. Thanks, Groot. Thanks, Groot. Thanks, we have buddy. seven ratings. Yeah, and only two reviews. Yeah. <laughs> are, are we rated anywhere else? Um, we might be in the Google App Store. I don't know if you can rate those or not. Oh, right, and Spotify. We're on Spotify. Spotify, I'm looking right now. Okay. I don't think they have a rating system. Eh, they might not. We should do the thing that every other thing does. Like us, review us, rate us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Find us on Patreon. Find like. us on Patreon. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Yeah, we can be best friends. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell if you want. Oh more. my god! Well, no, next time we do this, we should open up. What's up, guys? This is your boys. Oh, I just cringed. I visibly cringed. I can't stand that. Oh. Every time I hear that, I just. Uh, you know. And then there's these player FM people who think that they can mirror us. Hey, Vsauce here. Hey. No, it, no. Hey, Vsauce. Michael here. Yeah, there you go. Who are these fucking people? <laughs> All right, well, we'll look into this later. Copyright is owned by the publisher. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Don't mirror me. Well, no, I'm okay with the mirror as long as they link back to us. Well, uh, it's up in the air whether that's Didn't happening. Didn't we have a... Well, 
we're Creative Commons, Jathan. So wasn't there a show we found that was that was copying us or linking to us or something like that? Not. Oh, show. we'll go into it. We'll go into that later. So yeah. So yeah. make sure you stick around so you can listen to Jathan's full original rant. Yes. It's glorious. It is, seriously. Yeah, it's, it's pretty a, good. It's a like thing of beauty. It well, I mean that's we can talk about that later but no it's beautiful it is a beautiful work of art it's great so i'm gonna i'm gonna tack that in at the end i think Payton's audio is still salvageable as well so i'll try it, it and is, totally, that in as well totally. so do you remember you in the last episode before we and... fucked it up because brent sucks <laughs> Look, and i said that I, I my it i didn't do it intentionally i tried to recover it even and it, it i talked about that died. everybody should be using git because even my IT director does, and he's like not a hands-on person anymore. I don't, I don't remember you talking about that in the original. Recording. All right, well, fuck it then. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so yeah, so they're they'll be sending me their full original raws of this episode. Already done. Uh, so I'll include those as like an extra download that I'll link to in the show notes if you want to hear that as well. Remember, I'm not going to be there, so it's going to be a little awkward. But and they're going to be unedited. I'm not even going to bother editing the original one. But yeah, so. After this, we're tacking on Jathan. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. As Arnold would say. This has been Sysadministrivia. I'm Brent. I don't know what my sign-off was last time, but this time I'm mad. <laughs> and I am delayed. Oh my gosh. I I think it was the exact same sign-on, by the way, Jathan. Sign-off? Sign-off. Sign yeah. yeah, I think that was it. See you around. 15 clams. <sighs> I don't know. I really want to go get a beer before I do it, but I won't. So, here's the thing. Everybody knows how I feel about Nixcraft. And if you don't know how I feel, just pretend I feel poorly because I do. So if you know who Nixcraft is, you know what I'm saying. And if you don't know who Nixcraft is, once you find out who that is, you'll know what I'm saying. Nixcraft is basically one of the worst accounts on Twitter. All of Twitter. So here's the problem with Nixcraft. I don't know what he does for a living. His real name's Vivek. I don't know what he does for a living, but he is bad at it. <laughs> no, don't disclaim anything. So here's the thing. Is he... This is my problem with the account. Is number one... He just takes fucking any old article found on, like, any fucking website ever, changes it slightly, and publishes it. Like, here's how to add a user on Red Hat 8. Like, wow, thanks, dude. I didn't know. But, yeah, and it's written in proper English, even. So, you know, that's one thing. Number two, though, my biggest problem with Nixcraft is that he speaks with fucking authority on everything that he tweets about. And, and writes about it on his website. But it doesn't make you fucking right or an expert. There's something to be... There's something to be said for putting a disclaimer like... I'm not a web developer, but here's this thing I did with Django CMS or whatever the fuck you're doing. Like... Sure, I have a fucking home lab too. We're all sysadmins now. No, I do think... I think he does. Um... It doesn't matter. You can be a sysadmin like... I would not speak with authority on blocker object storage, which is why we haven't talked about it. Because I am a storage admin, for the love of Christ. But I am not a fucking object storage admin. I don't... 
Right. So why would I talk about it like I do? I could talk about my experiences with it. I've used it. I have looked into buying it for different purposes, but I don't personally admin it. I haven't used it in production. So for me to write an article, a matter-of-fact article, and be like, this is this is object storage, and this is why we use it, and this is how it works, that would be fucking stupid. Like, that would be stupid for me. That'd be stupid for you to read and be like, wow, I should definitely, like, this article is good. I'm going to do this thing. Like, that would be stupid. But, but if you go to How To Forge, every article is the same, right? Like, they have the same fucking content. Yes! Because... It, and it doesn't matter where it was first and where it goes. It just doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just like, it's not authoritative in any way. So here's my problem, is there is a tweet that we will link to in the show notes where Nixcraft tweeted, and I don't even know what the fuck the source of the tweet was, like... ZFS is now available... Oh, no, it was a new new list of ZFS features in ZFS OpenZFS 8, I think. Well, that was it, was a, it was a link to a list of new features, and then he said, now let's make ZFS the default on major distros. And I retweeted it and said, you know, basically like, no, let's not do that. That's a bad idea. He didn't. He didn't reply. But... You know, I actually use ZFS every fucking day. Whereas, maybe he does on, like, his fucking... I, maybe he does. I don't know. But at the same time, like, there is 0% chance that I, as a ZFS admin, would use ZFS on, like, my laptop or desktop every fucking day, day in and day out. For storage purposes, I like ZFS. But as a fucking root file system, you're an idiot if you use ZFS as a root file system. Yeah, but I can admit... EXT4. Because it's fucking... Here's why. Because I don't have... No, 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 no. No. EXT3 is honestly... But it's still fucking stable. To be fair. But, but in any case... Number one. ZFS is a RAM whore. Because it does arc caching... It does arc caching, yes, it's worse than Chrome. It does arc caching in RAM, because that's what it's fucking designed to do. Now, there's two issues with this, using it on, like, your run-of-the-mill fucking machine. Number one, you probably want to be using your RAM to run Chrome and Slack instead. Shut up, bitch. Number two, number fucking two, unless you have fucking top-of-the-line ECC RAM, you're probably... At, at some point going to experience fucking issues with your actual storage. Yeah, your data. You're compromising your data. Because ZFS is reliant on having fucking good ECC RAM. Now, that being said, it has gotten better, especially in OpenZFS, where that is not the case. There's different types of error checking and whatever else. But, in any case, you're a fucking idiot if you're relying on normal, like, run-of-the-mill consumer-level RAM and running ZFS at this point. In my opinion, which is more right than Nixcraft. For ZFS? In a production setting. Yes. Okay, but that... I mean, it is wildly faster for doing fucking replication and backups than, like, I don't know, Borg or Restic, so there's that. The snapshotting capabilities are fucking awesome. But that's why it takes so much longer. Because it's operating at like a block level instead of a file system level. But anyway, I, I, 
a block point five. That's it. So, so, so in any case, that's uh, you know, that's one thing. Um, but on top of that, like, first of all, Nixcraft may very well be the type of person. In fact, I think he is who runs FreeBSD. That's just fucking stupid. But are you disagreeing? No, no, I want you to say this. Say this out loud. Um, okay, anyway. Um, but, ZFS on Linux, in my experience, and I'm, I'm not shitting you, I have a good bit of it. Uh, ZFS on Linux is not, uh, it's fairly stable, but the upgrade path is fucking terrible. Every time I have to upgrade ZFS on my ZFS on Linux boxes, it's a fucking headache. So, do I want to personally have a headache on my hands every time I'm running ZFS updates on my main, like, workstation that I use every day in production? No. That sounds like a huge waste of my fucking life. And on top of it, I would argue that the only two distros that can stably support ZFS on Linux are Ubuntu Server and CentOS, which further... No, fuck you. Which further... If you're using fucking CentOS 7 as your desktop OS, you are a square and you need a new employer who doesn't make you do that. Because no normal person wants to do that. Just like no normal person is using Ubuntu server on their fucking workstation. So, my argument here is that any sane workstation OS is not going to run ZFS on Linux in a stable fashion. Therefore, we have reached a conclusion that these things do not mesh in a compatible fashion for everyday use by normal people. This is not a joke, Brent. Then what would you like to refute, you bitch? Well, this is something that I'm passionate about. So here's the thing. If you're using fucking ZFS in your goddamn workstation environment, do it. Tweet me. I want to hear about your life because it probably sucks. And I need to feel better about myself. Now, BSD, first of all, this is something I heard, and I don't know if this is, like, mainstream public knowledge. I have heard that FreeBSD is moving from the Illumos source tree for ZFS to OpenZFS, which is what ZFS on Linux is. So I have a feeling that people using FreeBSD and Linux are about to get some kind of, like, really, really dry wiener shoved in their butts. Because, in my experience, ZFS on Linux and OpenZFS are absolute fucking dumpster fires of projects. Like, go, just look at this right now, ZFS on Linux, I'm looking it up. If I go to their fucking GitHub right now, let's see how many open issues there are. Holy shit. 805. That's fucking trash. And some of them are not just, like, small things, right? Okay, does this seem like an issue for your root file system? ZFS on Linux 0.8.0 does not mount datasets on boot. Huh. That seems like it would probably be a pretty big issue. Well, Nixcraft does. Anyway, if you follow that Twitter account, just block it. Root extended attributes and ACLs disappear on large datasets copied with ZFS send receive. Well, we don't need to copy our ACLs when we copy our file system. That seems like it's stupid anyway. Because it's a fucking terrible... ZFS send hangs with send traverse blocked. Can't back up now. Can't back up now. Get fucked, bitch. You can't back up now. Nah, I'm reading them. 
This is my segment. I'm on page two of 33. Give me a second. Check some errors on a just attached disc. Not a big deal. It's just a checksum error. Who cares? It's fine. It's just your checksums. I'm fucking mad. Mm -hmm.